Nightmares have a way of terrifying us like few things can. Please close your eyes and imagine for a moment you are living in one of these nightmare scenarios. Imagine that you have no family, that you were not born of a mother, but were purely bred in a science laboratory. Next, imagine that your every move is being watched, even your thoughts, which will be punished if they are the wrong ones. Finally, imagine you are all alone, walking down a road, and all that lies behind and before you is ashes and hopelessness. Now, when you open your eyes, you may feel relieved. None of this is truly happening to you, it's all in your head. You still have a mother and a father, a right to privacy, and the world you know has not been decimated. In your mind, you may have experienced fear for a moment, but when you come back to the world, everything is how it once was before these nightmare visions. Nightmare visions of society find their expression in dystopian novels. I selected three works of fiction, three dystopian novels for my capstone project. Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, 1984 by George Orwell, and The Road by Cormac McCarthy. These works present compelling, memorable, and frightening visions of societies, similar to the scenarios I mentioned a moment ago. Brave New World tells the story of a man questioning the pleasure and assured happiness his society has offered him. 1984 tells the story of a man named Winston Smith who struggles with his desires and convictions over and against the backdrop of living in a totalitarian society. And The Road is a more contemporary dystopian work that wrestles with the same questions of religion, loneliness, and sin as a father and his son travel down a road in a decimated world. First, I will define my terms and give a brief history of my topic. Utopia is the term which dystopia is derived from. The two concepts are often considered opposites in nature, though both aim for an improvement of human behavior through different means. In an essay titled The Concept of Utopia, the author Fatima Vieira writes, quote, The word utopia came into being to allude to imaginary, paradisiacal places. It has also been used to refer to a particular kind of narrative, which became known as utopian literature, unquote. Alternatively, there is dystopian literature. In his essay titled The Origins of Dystopia, the author Gregory Clays writes, quote, Dystopia is often used interchangeably with anti-utopia or negative utopia, by contrast to utopia, to describe a fictional portrayal of a society in which evil or negative social and political developments have the upper hand, or in B.F. Skinner's words, ways of life we must be sure to avoid, unquote. The goal is not perfection, rather it is a realistic attempt based on human logic to change people's minds about the world by showing them an example, whether good or bad. Fatima Vieira further states that, quote, the principal energy of utopia is hope. Utopia is then to be seen as a matter of attitude, as a kind of reaction to an undesirable present and an aspiration to overcome all difficulties by the imagination of possible alternatives, unquote. Dystopia does the same. It shows the reader a world in which terror reigns, the reader's hope lying in the fact that reality is not quite set in stone and there is time to change their mind and actions. After reading these novels, it is my thesis that dystopian fiction is meant to deter us from evil by showing how evil corrupts, terrify us towards change, provide hope that we can change, and is a reflection of our own worlds that we may become even more convinced that change is necessary. We can see this in Brave New World's depiction of technology and science, 1984's depiction of power, fear, and punishment, and The Road's depiction of love amidst hopelessness. In my full-length research paper, I break down each novel individually with summaries and passages, Today in this presentation, I will particularly focus on Brave New World, briefly addressing 1984 and The Road. Brave New World is a dystopian novel written by Aldous Huxley and published in 1932. It is a dark and thought-provoking work of literature and is considered one of the models for its genre. In it, Huxley presents a scientifically and technologically advanced society known as the world state. It is a place where human beings are grown in test tubes. Family has been abolished, children are hypnotized in their sleep, sex and drugs are glorified, and everyone belongs to everyone else. 
The story follows the lives of several characters, including one named Bernard Marx. Bernard is the first character Huxley uses to question the ideals of the world state. Bernard is an insecure and seemingly inadequate man who feels he is not everything he is supposed to be in his perfect world. Bernard has a friend named Helmholtz Watson who writes propaganda for the world state. Helmholtz also has doubts about the motivations and actions of their society, and he wants to find something else, something more, to write about. Eventually, Bernard meets a man named John who lives in the savage reservation outside of the world state. The reservation is a place that has not been radically overcome with progress or the morals that Bernard's society possesses. John comes back with Bernard where he befriends Helmholtz, and John learns about the wretched and empty ways of the world state. The people are fascinated with John and his foreign customs and ideas, the things he has read and the things he does not like. John simply cannot understand what is so appealing about the control and lack of what he considers to be real emotion in the world state because he grew up reading Shakespeare without the slogan community, identity, stability hovering over his shoulder. At the end of the novel, John becomes so haunted by the people and their voices and the chilling ideas around him that he hangs himself. The escape towards something real that Huxley's characters had been feeling an unknown longing for. One of the main issues Huxley's novel addresses is that of technology, and as Gregory Clays puts it, quote, the subordination of humanity to the machine and to the scientific ideal as such, unquote. In Huxley's vision, the value for one another and for everything else is held at the low level of consumerism, meaning the value of the human is lost in the material object. Many people rejected Huxley's writing because it seemed like nonsense. The technology and science that Huxley expected would not arrive for several centuries, or so everyone thought. However, less than 100 years later, we find ourselves living in a society centered on progress. As Christians, we find ourselves living with one eye on Christ and the other on the things of this world. Huxley warns us that something is wrong, that placing material objects above all else leads to heartlessness. When John comes to the world state, he has a chance to meet with the world controller, the one who decides everything the people can and cannot do, and what is the most valuable in the world state. John is upset because all of the old things, particularly Shakespeare, that he loves, means nothing to the new people he meets. However, the world controller knows about what John loves, calling it high art, though he believes it is of no importance anymore. Huxley writes, quote, The controller shrugged his shoulders. Because it's old, that's the chief reason. We haven't any use for old things here. <coughs> Even when they're beautiful? Particularly when they're beautiful. Beauty is attractive, and we don't want people to be attracted to the old things. We want them to like the new ones. You can't make flivers without steel, and you can't make tragedies without social instability. The world's stable now. People are happy, they get what they want, and they never want what they can't get. They're well off, they're safe, they're never ill, they're not afraid of death. They're blissfully ignorant of passion and old age. They're plagued with no mothers or fathers. They've got no wives or children or lovers to feel strongly about. They're so conditioned that they practically can't help behaving as they ought to behave." Unquote. John is disgusted by all of the technology in the world state. He was born naturally and has a woman he calls mother. He grew up learning about love and hardship through Shakespearean plays. He has not been brainwashed to become emotionless and obedient like the citizens he meets. In his novel, Huxley is showing us what happens when science is abused. Huxley writes to convince us that technology and progress and a desire to move science forward to rule it all costs us our community and our value. The, even, the individual means nothing when no one is distinct. No relationship is distinct and everyone believes the exact same thing. The terror of the society is disguised by a utopian front. The terror of being alone and not meaning anything is hidden behind propaganda phrases and smiling, agreeable, cookie-cutter human beings. Test-tube babies and numb, perfectly obedient citizens seem efficient, but we come face-to-face -face with moral dilemmas. The very technology that the world state is built on challenges nature itself and what God created the world to be. As human beings, we are presented with a problem, our very nature. The Bible declares that, quote, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart is only evil all the time, unquote. 
This is the issue presented in dystopian fiction. Everyone is the same as everyone else, and the value of humanity is lost to the value of power, of progress, <laughs> of control, of science. The dystopian fiction seems to end poorly, because when we feel worthless, we feel we must just give in. John was searching for something more to satisfy him. He dies in the end because he does not want to give in. He is terrified that he will slip and fall headfirst into the inescapable trap of faux perfection. As we begin to feel alone at the end of the novel, our hope resides in the fact that, as Fatima Vieira states, quote, the readers are to understand that the, that the depicted future is not a reality, but only a possibility that they have to learn to avoid, unquote. Huxley wrote Brave New World to show us the dangers of extreme science, not to condemn us to an inevitable future. Huxley shows us the danger of becoming complacent when we are faced with problematic lifestyles. John was willing to question the world controller because his mind had not yet been consumed, and he was holding on to everything he knew to be true. John is the character we are supposed to sympathize with. He is the one we can relate to because he knows Shakespeare. He knows what it is like to have a mother and to be desirous of love and feelings in other people. When we read about John's concerns, we are confronted with the problems in the world's state. The technology is not natural. Life is not natural. It is not supposed to be this way. Progress seems to be worth the price of the individual and his life and his will. Huxley desires to educate us and turn us away from loving our oppression. The people of the world state didn't argue. They had grown to love and to feel love and protection from their drugs and their ingrained sayings. John is the only one willing to challenge it all head on because he is on the search for something more and the limits of the finite world are not enough. He faces challenges in this. The world controller condescends John, making him feel worthless. John blatantly questions it all, but there's no impactful way for him to fight and make a difference. He only has himself and everything he believes. We need not kill ourselves in the end like John in order to resist. Rather, we must kill off our desires. This is no easy task. Huxley is not presenting us with a three-step solution to using technology correctly. Rather, he is presenting us with an, an example of what might go wrong if we continue to advance and let that become our identity. Our hope does not lie in the world. We must focus on shaping our own desires for virtue so that we will not fall when our day of testing arrives. Literature reflects our pain because it is an outlet to write about pain. Dystopian fiction was not created to be the perfect answer to human folly. It serves as a creative warning for what humanity might have to face if it keeps walking down the path it is currently on. These novels are important because they highlight the fact that we exist in a world that we were not made for. The utopian world fails because it is a human attempt at the divine. Just because we are Christians does not mean we stop wrestling with the fleshly desires and corruptness of this world. If anything, we begin to wrestle more because the enemy desires to take us back. This is clearly shown in the literature. In Brave New World, John still lives according to the old ways. He has a mother, he reads Shakespeare, he feels things. But he is in no way able to convince anyone to join him, to love Shakespeare, to fully reject the world's state. In the end, he is so clouded by the mindless and inhumane, inhumane opinions that he dies and no one is sorry. This example in Brave New World is similar to circumstances in the other novels I analyzed in my full-length paper. We see the same struggle with the enemy and with desire as the characters endure a world that seems not to care for them. In 1984, when Winston Smith begins to question what Big Brother, the totalitarian government, has to say, and he starts to go off and do things that he's not supposed to do, the government tries their hardest to get him back. They, wipe, they wait for the right moment. They come after him. They torture him. They take him beyond his breaking point and are unrelenting and unrepentant for their ways. In the road, the father wrestles with the torture and the loneliness and the lack of God. He wishes he was dead. He even thinks about killing his son. In the end, he dies, and his son must keep going as he was before, with no knowledge of what lies ahead. What dystopian fiction asks of us is to recognize the wrong and imperfection. 
While Huxley himself was not a Christian and is not directly inviting us to see God through his work, we as Christians reading the novel are invited to be humble and confessing. John knew something was wrong and he desperately wanted to change it, but the world's state was so far gone that he could only give himself up to avoid falling in. We have the hope that all dystopias are supposed to provide, hope for the future that is not set in stone, for the fact that we are able to control our own actions and we can influence others to become convinced of the truth. There is motivation in the fear of the fact that if we do not take action now, we may slip and fall captive to technology and progress and we may lose sight of one another. If we do slip and fall, it is all we can do to learn to listen. The people of the world state were unable and unwilling to listen, and nothing changed for them. They were pawns in the grand scheme of one power-hungry leader. As Christians, we play a part in God's plan to redeem creation. We are not the ones who save, but we are the ones who carry the message of hope to all the peoples. We need not fear because Christ has overcome the world. And so the first step is to read these novels because we want to, because we have a desire to look beyond our own society and to see another. Then we try to understand what these worlds mean to us and how we can learn from the morals embedded within the author's words. Sometimes the hardest thing to do with these novels is to find the hope because they seem so despairing. However, when we, when we can recognize the flaws of this world, this life, and of humanity, we can better learn how to turn from them. As Christians, this is called repentance, and it is how we are able to come to the Lord. So by reading and simply trying to understand, we are drawn closer to God and his holy character through his invitation to repent and turn from wrong. Thank <laughs> you.